At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to CEO Coach with me, Ann Kennedy, and Jillian Music, co-founder of Moz. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. You can find out more at outlinesventure.com. Today, we'll be talking with Jillian about growth hacks for your business. Jillian, you presented this at MivaCon in March. What did you tell them? Ah, yes. Now, Miva is a company that does online shopping carts. They're located in San Diego. And I've spoken a few times for their conference, as have you, as a matter of fact. It's Um, true. That's right. We had a good time down there. So this year, they asked me to talk about growth hacks, specifically for e-commerce companies. But really, you and I have been talking about this kind of subject for a long time around any kind of tech company at all. What I talk about is the assets and attributes of successful CEOs and successful companies. So an asset is a resource, and it's really defined as a resource that provides current or future benefit. Okay, resource. An attribute is something that's innate in the uh, personality or innate in the, um, if you will, DNA of a company. So assets and attributes are different. So okay. every every company and every uh, CEO has both um, assets and attributes. Is that That's correct? That's right. Assets are acquirable. You can get them. You can buy them. You can achieve them. You can, you know, you can do something to get them. They can be skills. They can be, you know, uh, money. They can be uh, products. All kinds of things, right? So let's talk about some of those things so that you get a sense, like you know, with an example of what assets would be of successful. CEOs. The first thing they have are mentors. Right? Uh-huh. They've got them. The people who don't win as often don't have them. Right now, oddly enough, even those who you know get to the stratosphere and kind of don't acknowledge their mentors. I mean, you know, nasty people can get to the top. I mean, we can say nasty words about you know nasty people, but let's call them that. All right. So it doesn't mean you're always a grateful person when you get to the top. But by and large. Those with gratitude achieve more in life than those without. Right? So, again, assets of successful CEOs is that they know they have mentors and they have mentors. Knowing it is an attribute, having them is the mentor itself. Got the difference? I do, I do. Okay, so the ment- okay. mentors, what mentors, else? That's right. So they don't go it alone, right? They know their strengths and weaknesses. Again, that's the attribute, and the asset is that they have number of different powerful mentors who kind of shoot for their weaknesses, right? These mentors support them in the areas where they are not so strong. The attribute, again, is to know your strength and weakness, to be grateful for those mentors so that you attract more and better ones. People will do things for you if you are grateful for it. Remember to express gratitude, right? That's something you can practice and take away from here. Now, as the weaknesses change within a CEO because they gain strength simply by learning from these mentors and being supported by those mentors and from the experience of being CEOs as the company gets larger and larger, right? So as the weaknesses change, they change their mentors as needed. 
They outgrow their mentors, they get new mentors, and they walk ahead at every stage. Okay? Cool stuff. They have peer networks. Number two is peer networks. Again, they don't go at all. How is that different from a mentor? Well, a peer network would say, yes, you could have peer mentors, it's true, but these would be really people who are at about the same stage of business as you are. They don't have to be in exactly the same business. So in this deck, for example, that I showed at Miva, I had a photograph of Bill Gates with um, uh, oh, the, the Oracle of Omaha. And now his name escapes me, which is Warren Buffett. There you, you go. go. Thank you. You want to take it back? Let's take <laughs> no, it back, Jillian. Oh, come on. <laughs> Everybody can know I screw up too. So Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, right? Those are peers. They're not in the same business. But they essentially mentor each other. What they do, again, is provide insights where the other one doesn't have deep insight. And they became fast friends as well. Often your peer networks become your friends. Okay, so it's quite different than simply having a business mentor. So how important is education? Do the MBAs, the the Harvard and Wharton MBAs, are they going to rule the world? Uh, Yes and no. It's relevant education that's absolutely critical. So... The point is that, um, you know, it's kind of an offshoot of the mentors and the peer advisors. It's a foundation of what we would call decent education and nurturing. Now, there are precious few CEOs who come from the inner city, state-controlled, foster care, couch-surfing childhood life. But there are CEOs who make that happen, right? And again, that would be about attribute, about overcoming trial, um, I had a photo of Chris Gardner up on my slide deck when I gave this presentation at Miva. Uh, he was the fellow for whom the uh, movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, which had been misspelled, if you recall, The Pursuit of Happiness movie, was written about this guy. And he had risen above all kinds of odds right, to achieve uh, extraordinary value for his company in the financial uh, investment industry. Right? But Obviously, it's a rarity. Nevertheless, what we're saying is it is relevant education. So the assets that make children successful as children and as adults involves access to information, being imbued with a sense of importance of education, and the ability to study. Some of those are assets. Some of those are attributes. The access to education is the asset. And all I'm saying is you don't need a Harvard MBA to make this happen, but you do need to get out there and do your own research and find it and so on. So that has to be part of your attributes that you are, if you will, a lifelong learner. So go down the rabbit hole of things like TED Talks. Go out there and take, um, I don't know, audit classes if you absolutely need to, but go out there and get the information you need. You know, go sit down with a CPA and really understand the books before you start delving in deeply and making projections that make no sense. Yeah, I think Chris Gardner is such an interesting story because, in fact, um, and I'm not sure whether you, I think we call this an asset, maybe, uh, but his mother was such a, a, a warm and supportive force in his life as she was able to, but you can't acquire a mother. Really, that's correct. So that, right? That is an asset that he had, right? Everyone has it. The question: What's the value of the asset? We'll get to value of assets in a short while. So it's really good that you brought that up, right? Everybody has one. The question is: What's the value of that asset? If the asset is dead as you grow up, right? You essentially grow up without a mother. Well, not really, but the mother is not present. Right. If you grow up in a divorced family, you may have both parents, but you may be living with one or the other or neither. 
right? They exist, but the value of the asset is relatively minimal. So you must find your assets elsewhere. And you're absolutely right. The asset that Chris Gardner had was so powerful in his early life, instilling in him attributes that carried him through incredible odds to get him where he was going. Okay. okay. So what are some of the other attributes of successful CEOs? We've, we've talked, you talked a little bit about humility, um, but right. what are some of the other ones? Uh, right. So again, an attribute is an inherent part of something yes. or someone. Okay. The asset is something that has value and can you know, be gained and so on. Now, it doesn't mean that attributes are without value. So here we go. Attributes of successful CEOs, yes, that humility is really kind of an important thing. It's intriguing um, because it just seems to be correlative, not causative, until I delved a little bit deeper in my thoughts and I realized, as I spoke about a few minutes ago, that if you are, if you will, humble and grateful, so humility and gratitude somehow go hand in hand there, you do get more and better mentors. Those who are full of themselves will have very few mentors and the mentors that take them on will leave more quickly because they're not, if you will, um, I don't know, rewarding people to mentor. Okay. And I want to I want to also interject here that I think those that are full of themselves probably don't make very good mentors either. That's correct too. They often do it and they are often rejected as mentors if you will. It's like, well, gee, thanks, but and somehow you just don't have time to have lunch with this person again and again. I do see that people who are full of themselves do show up to mentor, but generally they would like to be paid for it. And so then they move quickly from mentor to paid consultants or attempting to be paid consultants. And, you know, it gets, it gets messy. Your own personality can seriously get in your way of being a good CEO. Okay, so I'm going to say number two is a super high financial risk tolerance. Not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur, and it helps if you start early, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Optimism is this prerogative of youth, and it's a lot more optional as we age, right? So this, uh, this sense of um, financial risk tolerance also comes from being so young without additional obligations. One is generally not yet married or with children and, you know, uh, mortgages and vehicles to pay for and so on and so forth. So this burgeoning of entrepreneurship that we have seen recently around the world, starting at about 2008 or nine, and of course having really begun so early as 19, say 88 to 90 when, you know, Microsoft came into being and then the web showed up in 93 and so on and so forth, right? This real burgeoning of entrepreneurship has by and large been powered by these very young entrepreneurs who have extraordinary financial risk tolerance simply because of their youth. Now, that doesn't mean that all businesses are constructed by young people. Certainly an awful lot of gray hairs are doing the same. Um, They didn't so much in the beginning. They do much more now. And we can talk about that again as to why older folks, you know, start businesses and so on. But this risk tolerance really helps in terms of running a business and having the gut to hold that rudder straight, even when kind of everybody else is saying, oh, give it up, give it up, give it up. That's the important piece. It doesn't mean stupidity. And it doesn't mean making financial decisions based on no information. So it has to be a modified uh, high-risk tolerance, and it has to come with a kind of education that helps you make wise decisions that say, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to hold you know, firm here, and I know things are going to get worse before they get better, but I know they're going to get better. 
And, and that's have- a good data to say so. <laughs> Go, and the data um, is very important to support your risk tolerance. We need to take a break now. And when we come back, um, I sure want you to tell me more, tell our listeners more about what we're doing, um, what we found for the attributes of successful CEOs. Uh, this is Ann Kennedy at CEO Coach. We'll be right back. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music, and we're talking today about growth hacking for your business. And we we were talking about attributes of successful CEOs. We got as far as humility and risk tolerance, but there are others that you were um, talking about in your presentation at MivaCon in March. What about privately creative? Right. I mean, who, who has time? Who has time? Exactly. That is um, kind of my next slide. Yeah. So there was um, humility. There is, uh, let's see, we, we, high we risk do want tolerance. You know, but it's not just high risk tolerance. There really is gratitude as well. So we might yeah. put them together as humility and gratitude, but I did want to put that in because that's something you can actually practice and you can achieve that attribute in yourself. Okay. So important to note. Yes. And it turns out that very successful CEOs, just by and large, again, maybe correlative, but there might become some causation here too, are privately creative. They tend to have their own projects on the side. Um, and that's intriguing. You can do this. You can simply go and acquire that attribute, right? You say, okay, I'm going to do something privately creative. Surprisingly, I would say... Almost all of the listeners now who are listening to this show whenever and wherever they are probably have either an idea of a of a creative project they would like to do or they have already begun it or they sneak time away to do it. 
For example, you and I uh, mentor a company, right? We are an advisor and uh, and deeply engaged with a company called Brett Approved, right? And that's the yes. uh, trip advisor for travelers with mobility challenges and, you know, in need of accessibility uh, features and so on. So we know that Brett Heising, the CEO there, right, is challenged every single day to get up, uh, you know, wash and, and dress and this and that and get in his chair and get to work and so on. It takes him three and four times as long to do anything that you and I would do than anything that any standard CEO with two legs that can move and walk can do, right? And still, he has a private project. I was blown away to find out that he too, it turns out he's a playwright. No, Can you believe it? Yep. And he's been working on this play for a very long time. And once a month, he actually schedules the time to take two hours for himself to work on that play. That's amazing to me. Every time I meet a CEO who is seriously on his way, on her way, right? they have some kind of a private project where they schedule time to sneak away and clear their mind. That's what the private project does. It's not something rote like going to the gym and exercising and so on. As you do that treadmill, your mind keeps moving. Even as you press weights, your mind keeps moving. What is different about a creative project is that it takes your mind to do it. This, if you will, is like going to the gym for your mind. It pulls you away from your business and you can't think about your business because it's a different creative product and a different creative process. And that's the killer piece. So when you think about what you might like to do on the side, what you're really trying to do is give your brain a rest from all the thoughts of the business, especially in the earliest days. We know that entrepreneurship is difficult. You must get funding or you don't have it or you're really going broke or everybody's telling you no. There are difficult in creating new product. If it's not around the money, it's around the product development. Um, All of these things constantly take up your mind and what you really need is a break. Sometimes just getting out and taking a walk doesn't do it. You have to give a creative break so that your mind's focused on something else. That's privately creative. Go get that one. Okay. Awesome. Okay. It seems to me that's related to um, being in better shape. You mentioned the gym. That's right. Um, yes. So the gym so, is important. Yeah. We're not saying right. don't don't do your don't keep your body going right. well. Okay. Another correlative thing. They turn out it, it turns out they're in better shape. They just are. Okay. So intriguing. There is something about physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion that you should know about. Those are three different things: physical, mental, and emotional. They are not the same. You want to achieve the first one uh, and the second one, and you want to avoid the last. You want to be physically tired enough to sleep at night. Otherwise, your brain races, you don't sleep, and you make really stupid decisions in the morning. This one is not just correlative. It is actually causative. Those who sleep badly and don't get enough sleep make stupid decisions. They've made test after test about people who are just driving a car, and it is scary what happens when you lose just an hour of sleep for a few nights in a row, two hours of sleep for a few nights in a row, and you think you're going to get in there and negotiate contracts and get yourself PR and make decisions about how that product is going to get finished and launched and structured and who knows what and pull in your key employees and and you think you're going to make smart decisions about that, you're nuts. 
absolutely get physically exhausted so you can go to sleep at night. Same thing with mentally exhausted, right? That means that you really have chewed on all this stuff and now it's time for sleep. But what you don't, what you, you want to avoid is the emotional exhaustion. Yes, that's just about, you know, fear and, um, uh, I don't know, the, the conflict that comes with everybody else telling you, you know, not to do it and so on. Learning to manage those things, I think, is critically important. Surround yourself with positive people. Avoid those with negativity. Um, you know, those things are easy to say, not so easy to do. So you'd better get your head in a space where you have, if you will, the mental strength to withstand it and to let it roll off you a bit. Not like a duck, but a little bit like that, right? We get that words can hurt. We get that words can get your head going round and round. But that's the personal fortitude to say, no, I won't go down there. I'm not going to waste this time of my day thinking about these things. I'm going to focus on doing what I want to do. The only way to prove everybody else wrong is to do it. And so that's so the true. Mental, yeah. So go back to mental exhaustion instead of emotional exhaustion. Okay. Okay, but here we go with seekers and learners. Now, that seems to me also to be related to um, the last two attributes that we discussed. Yes, and they're also related to the asset of having relevant education, right? The asset, and we talked about that with relevant education, the asset is that they are lifelong learners and seekers. They naturally do it, right? So having the business degree is not an indicator of a successful CEO in the e-commerce economy, not at all. Right. And, and so let no one tell you otherwise. The stats don't uh, play it out. Right. So before great business leaders become great business leaders, they do hone their skills. They hire pro. You know, you can hire pros to teach you what you need to know. You can go from being a presenter, even a timid presenter to being a superb one with training and practice. You can do all kinds of things by practicing it, getting people who will teach it to you, uh, auditing classes if you absolutely must, uh, getting things online. All kinds of free education is out there. Pick and choose. You know what you need to know. Getting into the habit of setting aside time each day in order to uh, do those kinds of lessons for yourself as they come around. So it's, if you will, the teachable moment for yourself is a critical attribute of a successful t- CEO. You had a, a picture of Bill Gates uh, that we were we were just talking about him um, earlier in this this broadcast, and um, I heard once that he takes two weeks every year for a reading vacation. And he turns off all the technology and takes Mm -hmm. a a very disparate collection of books and he sits and he reads for two weeks because rather than a few pages at night, you know, before you fall asleep, just to spend all day reading uh, a dozen different books begins to feed your brain to think about new ideas, new ways, new connections. So um, we're going to run out of time at this show, so I'm going to already tell everyone we're going to do another show that kind of completes this one. Uh, We're talking about the assets and attributes of successful CEOs. We're going to do the same thing about the assets and attributes of successful companies and some serious takeaways about what you can do to make your company, uh, you know, kind of gain those assets and achieve those attributes that will help it to thrive, not just survive in this economy. So before we cut entirely, do I have another minute here? You do. Okay. Uh, what about it turns that? Out yeah, that one right. of the attributes is yes. that they are male, white, and generally tall. That has been how it's been. Yes, absolutely. But it's changing. Okay. 
It is somewhat changing. It isn't always that way. Um, in my photo, uh, I put up, you know, a half a dozen instant, you know, uh, tall white males in this photo. And then I did it again for the last century. It turns out it's been going on for a long time. We get that. But it isn't always so. I also put up a photo of Jerry Yang. I put up one of um, – uh, See, names just, just keep on going. Cheryl Sandberg. <laughs> yes, Cheryl Sandberg. I put yeah. Cheryl up there. Um, there are so many women up there. There are so many men um, who are not necessarily tall, white, and male. You know, there are uh, some options. It turns out this one is completely correlative, not causative. Many people would say, oh, you can't get money unless you stand and look this way, and so on and so forth. I would say absolutely not. Because it has not been does not mean that it cannot be or that it will not be and these things change they're mostly societal and you know standardization changes over time and come on guys don't think like you're just in the 50 united states it's a much larger world surely you don't think that in india the ceos look as they do in boston right so let's get a much broader picture and get over ourselves on this one this is merely correlative get out there and build stuff (laughs) Okay. Okay. So we need to take a break and then we're going to come back with a a chance for you to summarize your top tips for uh, developing those attributes and acquiring the assets if you are a CEO or you aspire to be a CEO or your company founder. So this is Ann Kennedy talking with Jillian Music at CEO Coach. We'll be right back.
And welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are talking today about assets and attributes of successful CEOs, which is part of our two-part series on growth hacking for your company. So, Jillian, we sort of ended with uh, uh, talking about how the uh, CEOs are not necessarily tall, white, and male anymore, that there is a movement both overseas and also in this country. Um, I just wanted to highlight a a couple of women that are leading um, seriously big companies, Uh, Virginia Rometty at IBM, uh, Ursula Burns at at Xerox. And then, of course, we have media companies and tech companies um, where women have Mm -hmm. taken the lead in a lot of places. And as you pointed out, if you go to India or um, Singapore, you're not going to get tall, white um, CEOs. So, as you right. said, just get over it and get on with it. But right. what do so we do other folks about that, this? Wait, other okay. ladies that deserve some shout-out, Susan Vajicki, um, Sherry McCoy, Marissa Meyer, as you said, Virginia Rometty, Ariana Huffington, Ursula Burns. Come on. There's lots of folks out there. Go ye and do likewise. Mary Barra, okay. GM, one of yes. my favorites. Absolutely. So, Knowing all all this, what do we do about it? What makes a breakaway CEO? Okay. So really the final attribute, and this is the one that I think everybody can work on to achieve, is about the word passion. Highly overused, but because it's kind of a good word, you know, it says that you bring more to it than, uh, if you will, these assets of education by Harvard and who knows what, right? It really says that you have some gut that in you that wants to make this happen. So passion's a really good word, but it isn't unbridled passion. It is bridled passion. And again, that's the difference between financial risk tolerance and financial risk, you know, insanity, if you will. Um, the attribute is, um, it, I don't know, the key, right, is that every young person has an idea and they have passion around their subject. But great CEOs of any size company will retain that passion because they can control it. So the key is control. Right? The control of your passion is, um, how should I say, it's a bit of this ADD stuff. You get passionate about your subject, and there are so many opportunities while you're building your company to go down so many different paths. Everybody's got another idea, and it's a bright, shiny object. If you can control yourself not to stare at the bright, shiny object and then to go reach for it and then to go spend good money after bad to go try and make that new shiny object and the next and the next and the next, you will have focus, you will have control, and you will finally achieve what it was you originally set out to achieve. doesn't mean never pivot. It just means don't go after every bright, shiny thing that's out there. Make sure that you stay focused, that you keep this rudder in the water on a number of subjects. One that you and I talk about all the time, the rudder in the water on culture. Absolutely. Don't bend on that one. Right? That's just not negotiable. Number two would be around your product or service, right? That BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. That one you can bend on. You can modulate. You can even pivot. But do so with great care, organization, data, reliable data that you can trust, and with mentors, peers, and your colleagues inside the, the office as well whom you can trust. Take their counsel. Don't take their counsel as instruction, if you will. You're the final uh, 
you know, decision maker, and those that can hold that can win. Um, I think it was beautifully said in a poem that, that read, uh, if you can keep your head, young man, when, those around, when all those around you are losing theirs, right? Yeah. That's how you become great. And so that ancient advice still holds true today. Control, bridle the passion, and that's the hottest tip for CEOs today. All right. That is fantastic. So we're going to put these – oh, these slides are up on SlideShare. We'll put a link on our Facebook page um, so that uh, our listeners can go and have a look at the pictures that you've described. Um, and as you say, we only got through the CEOs. Now we want to talk about growth hacking for your business. So we will talk about assets and attributes of successful businesses in another episode. Thank you, Jillian. And, this well, was and fantastic. Wait, and we're going to put a, a link also to Rudyard Kimpling's uh, poem, you know, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs, right? We'll, we're going to put a link to that very famous poem. Great. Okay. Great. That sounds good. Well, that's it for this Monday at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at webmasterradio.fm for their support. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on Facebook.com CEO Coach Podcast. That's got a forward slash before the CEO Coach Podcast. Do stop by and hit the like button so we know you were there. And tell us what you think. Leave us a comment. Um, tell us other things that you'd like to hear about. I am so glad, Jillian, that we had this time to talk. I'm sure you were a big hit at Miva uh, for that conference. So thanks so much, Jillian. Thank you, Anne. It was lots of fun. Let's we'll, talk again next week. We sure will. Uh, you can find more about how our company, Outlines Venture Group, helps companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.